This is Pastor Ryan Clark from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. You are listening to the audio of the current sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come. Thanks for joining us. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The headline read, Two Brothers Living in a Cave Set to Inherit $6.6 billion. Back in 2009, Zolt and Geza Pilati were middle-aged brothers that were just barely scraping by in life, so much so that they were living in a cave. They sold scrap for a living. But one day, they were approached by a couple of lawyers that had been searching for them for days, and they had some amazing news for them. Their maternal grandmother had passed away and left them a vast fortune of over $6 billion. You see, the Pilates had been left by their mother when they were just young boys, and then she had passed away. And so not only did they not know much about their mother, they didn't know much about their mother's family. And so it caught them completely off guard when those lawyers finally found them to tell them about their newly deceased grandmother. Imagine the surprise when you realize that your days of scraping by and living in a cave were coming to an end overnight as you were now the inheritors of great wealth. When interviewed by a local TV station, the boys said this, all we really had was each other, but with money, maybe we can find partners and finally have a normal life. Well, I hate to tell you boys, but with that kind of money, you're never going to have a normal life. But I guarantee this, their life is going to be very different now because of the great inheritance that they've been given. As we continue with our sermon series this week, Thy Kingdom Come, that's what we're talking about here today. As a blood-bought child of God, living in Jesus's kingdom, you too have a great inheritance a great inheritance that has been given to you. And just like those Pilates boys, your life, once you understand the inheritance that you've been given, will never be the same ever again. You see, you and I have a very, very rich God. We see this in all over Scripture, but especially here in Psalm 50, where the Lord says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Your God is very rich. 
He has everything at his fingertips in the entire universe at his disposal. And here's the amazing thing. In Ephesians 1, it says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed in Jesus, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So when you began to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God put a deposit within you, the Holy Spirit, and that is a guarantee of your great inheritance. Now, we're going to realize it fully one day when we get there to heaven. Our brother in Christ, Jim Schleif, this morning is seeing it with his eyes, the full inheritance that he has been given. But we don't have to wait until we get there to that golden city with those pearl gates in order to recognize the great inheritance that our God has given to us. In Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, toward the end of it, when the father, who is representing God, is talking to his older son, he says this, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Now apply that to yourself, your very, very rich God. All that he has now as his child is yours. Now what's this look like? Well, we see it in one of those passages as we make our way through the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He starts out this section by saying, don't worry about your life. If you are in the kingdom of God and if you believe in Jesus Christ, you aren't. You don't have anything to worry about when it comes to what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Your very, very rich God will provide for you. And then he goes on to say, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
You know, it's really important that we understand this because until we get this revelation of our very, very rich king who says, all that I have is yours, we're going to worry because the economy goes up and down. You may have a good job and all of a sudden overnight you lose it. You may be crunching the numbers and you find out, oh no, I don't think we're going to have enough for what we need by the end of the month. And you'll always worry about it until you understand this. In fact, he says, the pagans run after all these things. What is that? Those are the people that are not in the kingdom. Those that do not know Jesus Christ. They're the ones that worry about having enough. But you, you never have to worry. And the last sentence there says, so seek first what? His kingdom. In other words, know that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in his kingdom now. And you have his righteousness. In other words, it's a righteousness that isn't your own. It isn't based upon how good you're doing as a Christian person. It's based on how good a job Jesus did. And you get credit for what he did. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then know this, everything that you need will be provided for you. Now, notice up there, it doesn't say, you're, everybody's going to be filthy rich. It doesn't promise that, but what it does promise is this. You don't have to worry. God is a more than apt provider of everything that you're going to need. And he loves to take care of those who are in his kingdom. He's a gracious and merciful God. So what does this look like? I had a professor that would always ask that question. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Maybe you are crunching the numbers and maybe you see that you're going to come up a little short. What do you do? Well, first of all, you don't worry. Secondly, you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I believe everything that your word says. You are a very, very rich king. And you are very generous in taking care of those who are your own through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I put my trust in you and I ask you that you would indeed provide for me and for my family. And then as the hours or maybe even the days go by, you just keep on telling him, thank you. Thank you that you are going to provide. And then you look for those open doors that the Lord is going to give. Maybe he's going to give you a raise or maybe he's going to give you a job or, or maybe he's going to help you remember where there was some money that you had totally forgotten about. But one way or the other, your generous, rich God is going to provide for you. And the wonderful thing about all of this is we don't deserve any of it. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we get all of that. Now, is this the only way that our God provides? As we're making our way through the book of Matthew, I think you have to say no. 
It isn't just financially that he provides. He provides for all of our life. We see that in Matthew 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Think about that. The Bible doesn't exaggerate because an exaggeration is a lie, right? And so when it says that Jesus healed every disease and sickness, that meant every disease and sickness. God provided healing for his people as well. Also in Matthew 9, it says, As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, never has anything like this been seen in Israel because they were coming face to face with the king. And in his kingdom, healing and deliverance are provided. In Matthew chapter 8, it says, when evening came, many who were demon oppressed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Where is that quote from? That's from the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, where it's talking about Jesus hanging on the cross. And not only does it say that he took up our sins upon himself, and paid for them in full. But he also took up our sicknesses and diseases upon himself so that now he could provide healing to his people inside of his kingdom. And that's why Jesus was able to heal all the sick because he had provided for it with the cross. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But he said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then what did he do? As we see in the book of Matthew, he went and healed this person and that person and this person and that person over and over and over and over again. We're going to see that as we make our way in our Bible study through the book of Matthew. It's one healing after the other, after the other, after the other. Why? Because you have a king who loves you. You have a king who has provided through the cross healing. And now we lay hold of that as his people. Here's the good news. That same Jesus that went from person to person to person healing sick, according to Hebrews 13, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. His power hasn't changed. His compassions haven't changed. He's the exact same God that we read about in the words of Scripture. And that's why it says in James 5, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in, in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. This is why we have monthly healing services. And by the way, next Saturday, 
is our next monthly healing service. And that's why over the last year and a half, by the grace of God through Jesus' finished work, there have been so many testimonies of people getting healed of all kinds of different ailments because Jesus has provided for it. And in his kingdom, that's also one of his provisions for us. So what does this look like once again? Well, maybe you've been sick for a while and you're just not getting better. Or maybe you went to the doctor and you got a scary diagnosis. What do you do? Well, once again, what you don't do, first of all, is what comes naturally to us. You don't worry. You say, self, I don't have to worry about this because I am in the kingdom of a very gracious, loving, and powerful God who has provided for this. And then you go to him and you say, Lord, thank you that you have provided for this. And I ask you that you would provide healing in one way or the other to my body. And then maybe you go to the healing service and you get prayer. Or maybe you ask your family or other Christians to pray for you. And then as you're waiting on that healing, and God has many different ways of bringing healing to bodies, you tell him, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that my healing is on the way. Thank you that you have provided for this through the cross. Maybe you're not sick physically, but maybe you're sick emotionally and mentally, because maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Maybe it's an alcohol or a drug addiction or a pornography addiction or whatever it may be. What do you do? Well, did you notice that a lot of those times where Jesus went around and healed people, he drove out evil spirits? And what I've found in over 20 years of being a pastor is that sometimes when people have been dealing with an addiction for years or decades, sometimes commanding in the name of Jesus that that spirit of addiction would leave, sometimes that's what it takes for the person to finally be free of that addiction. And so what do you do? You go before the Lord and you say, Lord, thank you that you have provided for this. Thank you that getting rid of, of these spirits of addiction is part of being in your kingdom. And so in the authority of Jesus, I command every one of those spirits to leave me and go to the pit right now. Maybe you come to a healing service and you say to those that are praying for you, could you pray with me for this? And watch what the Lord does. And as you're waiting on him, once again, you say, thank you, Lord. You see, as we say thank you, even before it manifests itself, you know what the Lord sees that as? He sees that as faith. And as Christians who know that we have a God that never lies, he always tells the truth. He's always good to his word. You and I can even start thanking him before we see it come to pass. In Matthew chapter 6, and Pastor Ryan talked about this a little bit last week. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's it like in heaven? In heaven, everybody has what they need. In heaven, there are no diseases. In heaven, there certainly are no demons. There certainly are no addictions. And Jesus tells us to pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth right here, just like it is up there. And he would not tell us to pray this prayer if that was not his desire for us, his people. Now, just a couple of minutes talking about this. What happens if you don't get healed right away? Because we've all been there. I've been there. Where I've had people pray for me or I pray for myself and, and days or weeks have gone by and I still am dealing with whatever I'm dealing with. How do you deal with that? Well, first of all, don't let Satan tell you that it's because of your sin. Jesus dealt with that in full on the cross. Remember, Satan's name is he's the accuser. So he's always going to point to you. It's because of what you did. It's because of your sin that you're not getting healed. And to that you say, you know, I am a great sinner, but I have an even greater Savior, Jesus, and he dealt with my sin on the cross 2,000 years ago, and that has nothing to do with it, Satan. Secondly, don't think that Jesus is not willing. He is willing. We see that in Matthew chapter 8. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Once again, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was willing to help this man, he's willing to help you and me as well. You see, this man, he knew that Jesus had the power to do it. What he was concerned about is, does he want to? And Jesus put that to rest very quickly. And finally, number three, sometimes healing takes time. Keep praying and keep believing. This is part of your great inheritance that you've been given from your very, very rich king. In Luke chapter 17, it says, As Jesus was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Did you catch that? So ten lepers come to Jesus. Lord, heal us. And he said, Go show yourself to the priests. When they turned around and began to go to the priests, they still were leprous. But somewhere along the line, on the way there, they looked down and they were healed. Sometimes healing takes time. And sometimes it takes a few times praying. In Mark chapter 8, it says, And some people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch them. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. 
And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sometimes had to pray for people a second time. And my feeling is this, if Jesus Christ had to pray for someone more than once, then there are going to be times when you and I are going to have to pray for each other more than once. Maybe four times or seven times or 20 times we're going to have to pray for each other. Sometimes healing takes time. Remember a few weeks ago when we had... um. Uh, when we had Helene from our congregation share her testimony. And maybe some of you didn't get a chance to hear it, but she came to a healing service on Saturday night and she was in tears and her whole body was racked with pain. We got a chance to pray over her that night and she left the service that night with no change. Still the same amount of pain, but she woke up the next morning without any pain. Sometimes healing takes time. And so if it doesn't happen right away, don't give up. Don't think it's because of your sin. It's not. Don't think that God isn't willing. He is. But sometimes healing takes time. Now, all this being said, here's our very important point of the day. And this helps us to remain in an understanding of how all of this fits in. Healing and deliverance are part of your great inheritance as a child of God. But remember, it is not your and my goal to stay here on this earth forever. There is something far better waiting for us in heaven. As we said a few years ago in our Heaven Sermon series, heaven is not a consolation prize. It is the prize. It's way better than this. And so our goal is not to stay here forever. Jim, if he had the chance to come back and talk to us for a second, would say, you don't want to be here. You want to be there. That's where it's at. And so it's not our goal to stay here forever. Healing is meant to extend our kingdom work, the jobs that God has for us to do just a little while longer and as a testimony to the kingship of Jesus Christ. Because every time someone gets healed and they share their testimony, you know who gets credit? Jesus. His kingdom grows. People put their faith in him when they hear a testimony like that. That's how all of that fits in. It's not to stay here indefinitely. You don't want to stay here indefinitely. We want to get home as soon as that last thing is crossed off our list. One last point, and that's this. When you begin to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are brought into his kingdom. Another way of saying that is you are brought into his family. And in a family, there are rights. And that's what we've been talking about here today. The rights of being part of his family. 
But there are also responsibilities in being part of his family as well. Just like if your kids have responsibilities at your house of taking out the trash and doing the dishes or whatever it may be, there are responsibilities as well. But it all relates to what we've been talking about here today. In Matthew 10, it says, these 12 disciples Jesus sent out with the following instructions. As you go, proclaim this message. Here it is. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. Jesus said to his disciples, you're part of my kingdom and all that I have is yours. Now don't hoard it to yourself, give it away. Give it away. Be part of that process. And he tells that to you and me as well. It says in Mark 16, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. It just is up to us to take that step to pray for people. Because the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says, now lives in you and me. And he can do great things even through us. And in James chapter 5, where it says, if you're sick, call the elders of the church to pray over you. Right after that, it says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Remember that righteousness is Jesus's righteousness. We get credit for what he did. And when you believe that, the prayers that you and I pray are powerful and effective. And so he says, pray for each other that you may partake in all of this that the Lord has for you. As a blood-bought child of God living in Jesus' kingdom, you have a great inheritance. Receiving that, believing that, and then sharing that is what we mean when we say, Thy kingdom come. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.